Well, today is my final message about the Holy Spirit for this season. (laughs) We can't leave him. We need him. Um, The Spirit of God dwelleth in you. I want to say to the church, there's nothing new under the sun. We have all kinds of things cropping up in our Christian world about new, but there's nothing new under the sun. Now, the wisest man in all Scripture next to Jesus, whose name was Solomon, said that. And the Scripture tells us of his wisdom. But there is revelation. Because how many know when I read a passage of Scripture, I've read it over and over and over and over, and then all of a sudden I read it and, wow, it takes on new meaning because it becomes revelatory to my spirit. And so that's because the Spirit of God dwells in you. So if you are a born-again believer and you've received Jesus Christ into your heart and you've asked Him to forgive you of your sins and you want Him to live in you, the Spirit of God dwells in you. And as I was preparing this message, sometimes I have to be taken to, to the woodshed a little bit and be corrected myself in order for me to be able to share with you what it is that God is doing in the earth, in my life, and in your life, and in what he wants to do in Christianity. The Spirit of God moved upon Isaiah in chapter 64. And like I said, everything I'm going to say to you today, I have preached it uh, somewhere in the last 30 years several times. But now I have yet another glimmer of uh, the Holy Spirit uh, on these passages of Scripture. And Isaiah wrote this, and he says in the fourth verse, Isaiah 64, For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. Think about these prophetic words from the Old Testament this morning, imagine that there was a time in the days of humanity that there was no vision of the preparation of God for his people. How many believe the word of God? So Isaiah said, since the beginning of time, this is Old Testament, this is before the birth of Christ. He says, since the beginning of time, nobody has seen or heard, you know, or comprehended what God has planned for humanity. He created Adam. He gave him uh, an earth full of animals, rivers, vegetation, all of these awesome things. And in Genesis 2.18, God said to them, he says, it's not good that man should live alone. So he created a wife. We know these things, right? And in Genesis 1.27, so powerful to goes in line with the Sunday school lesson today. God created man in his own image. Maybe we should read that together. Genesis 1.27. Let's read that together. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. There's church organizations today that don't know that he created women the same way he created men. Does the church hear me? 
The Bible says that God created man in his own image. Look at your neighbor. God is in them. They have the image of God in them. You're created. If you were born, how many were born? If you were born, God created you in his image. Let that be revelatory to you. And he created us male and female. That's the way he did it. Now, hear the words of Isaiah as he goes on to say, you know, when God created man, he said there was no, no, it hadn't been in the eye or the ear what the preparation for man was. He just set Adam there. He gave Adam everything. It was pure. It was sinless. It was awesome. And he looked at Adam and he said, well, I think he needs to have a little trouble in his life, so I'll give him a wife. You know, so he gave him a wife because he didn't want him to be alone. He prepared everything in a glorious fashion. And it was awesome in the garden. Peace and tranquility. Can you even comprehend what it would be without sin? It was pure. So God began his creation in mankind in purity, in sinlessness, he, cre- he began it in, uh, in, in, in patience and obedience. God's plan was interrupted. God began everything in perfection. And God's plan would then unfold as man lived out the life that God had given him. But humanity, now this is where we are, church. Humanity was impatient. Don't you look at your husband right now or your wife or your friend. Man was impatient. Humanity was impatient. They were easily tempted. I mean, no, it didn't take long before Adam and Eve to be tempted. Then they were seduced and ultimately disobedience diminished the purposes of God in the beginning of creation. God desired a relationship with his creation. Now, church, you know this, but understand this. He desires that same relationship with you today. And uh, he created mankind to have that relationship, but the flesh ruled. Adam and Eve was in the flesh. They disobeyed and the flesh ruled. And when 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 the flesh ruled, sin came in. And God's eternal plan of relationship and, and his, his relationship with mankind diminished at that very moment. And Adam and Eve hid themselves. We still have that today. We have people in sin and hiding themselves, thinking that they're hiding themselves. They hide from spouses. They hide from their, the workforce. They hide from all manner of things. They hide things from their children. They think that's hid. Everything is open to God. And so the plan of the ages begins to unfold with God having to have the plan set forth for our salvation. So he sent his son. Everybody knows this. He sent his son, Jesus, to be robed in flesh, born of a virgin, born in righteousness And purity and obedience. What does righteousness mean, church? It means in right standing. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. 
but our righteousness is in Christ. Christ lives in us, and it's His righteousness. So what is righteousness to the body of Christ today? It's right standing. It's being born again, forgiven of sin, following Jesus, you know, desiring His holiness. Desiring to be what He created us to be. I have to say this to myself and to the church. Christianity is lazy. Christianity wants the fire escape. You know, they don't want to go to hell. But they don't want to live the overcoming, sanctified, godly life that God created them to be. You know, we have even lost the idea of our own value that we are created in the image of God. We don't like how we look. We're too tall. We're too short. We have too much hair. All these things go on in us and we're not, we're not even blessed that we are created in the image of God. It isn't the outer image. It's the inner image of his holiness and his righteousness. Now, here's, here's the axis of the message today. God came into our physical world by the Holy Ghost. Let me say it again. God came into the physical world. This is a physical. Came into the physical world by the Holy Ghost. You might call this the first indwelling of Christ in humanity. That's the message today. The Holy Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Luke 1. The angel comes to visit the Virgin Mary. Everybody knows this. I preach it every Advent. But look at this. 30th verse. They have a conversation. And the angel says to Mary, Fear not, for thou hast found favor with God. Oh, please hear this. Fear not, for thou hast found favor with God. And verse 31 says, Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. We're talking about the indwelling Christ in the womb of Mary. And verse 35, they have a conversation about all this. Mary doesn't understand anything about this. They have a conversation. In verse 35, the angel gives Mary an explanation. And we've talked about this in this church forever. It says, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Talk about indwelling. First, the physical, Bible says, then the spiritual. So here we have the physical indwelling of the power of Godhead. And Christ is going to be placed in the womb by the power of the Most High. Does the church know that the Most High lives in you? And the Bible says that Mary found favor with God, and we go around acting like we have no favor. But I tell you something, if you are born again, the Lord Jesus Christ lives in you, He's the Anointed One, and you have found favor with God problem is that Christianity doesn't understand that favor. 
They think that favors a new house or a new car or money. The favor is the depth of your spiritual being where you have hope and joy and trust. Things that cannot be purchased with money. Because we are created in the image of God for purpose, church. For purpose to emanate Christ that others will see him in us. Because the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Thou hast found favor with God. If you've been born again, that is forgiven of your sins, invited Christ into your life, the favor of God is upon you. Well, what does this mean? This means that God wants to work in your spiritual life. God doesn't care how tall you are. He doesn't care how beautiful you are. He cares about the inner beauty of a Christ that lives in you. Jesus resides in us by the power of the Holy Ghost. Nothing that we believe in Christianity can happen without the Holy Ghost. We need a Savior. That's our Jesus. We need a Creator who gives us birth. That's our God. And we need the Holy Ghost, which is the empowerment to live an overcoming life for Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, is the lifting power. How many have heard of the rapture? How many hope it happens in our life? Well, it says as, the, as Jesus was lifted up, if we're here when the rapture takes place, we're going to be what? Lifted up. And guess what's going to lift us up? The Holy Ghost. So, hey, we need the Holy Ghost because if he comes, we aren't getting out of here without it. The Spirit of God is our lifting source. Now, that happens in discouragement. He can lift us out of that. That happens in disappointment. He can lift us out of that. That happens in fear. He can lift us out of that. You see, he's the lifting power. We can get out of those, those adverse circumstances if we trust the Holy Ghost to bring us forth in the, in the favor of God. The Holy Ghost is like the caretaker of the rapture. If the rapture takes place in your lifetime, he's going to lift you out. He lifted up Jesus and the, and the angel of the Lord said, and as you've seen him go, he's coming back. And we're going to go the way that Jesus went. Let's look at Romans, the eighth chapter, the 10th and the 12th verse. Romans eight ten. If Christ be in you. Is Christ in you? If Christ be in you. The body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of right standing with the Father, because of righteousness. Now, verse 11 says, But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. We don't have many Pentecostals here because they'd probably be running the aisles by now. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. See, church, we need 
the favor of God. We need that anointing. We need that knowledge that there is a lifting spirit in us that transcends all of the adversities of the devil. Christianity is beat down by the harassing spirit of the devil. And we need to rise above it because he lives in us. We are a favored people. For now it has been revealed. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10. Now remember how I started. Isaiah said nobody's heard or seen the plan of God. Now Paul writes here in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10. And he quotes Isaiah. And he says, as it is written, as Isaiah wrote this, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into heart of man things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But now look, the next verse, but God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Old Testament, they didn't see it. They didn't hear it. They didn't know it. They talked about it. They had no understanding of it. Isaiah said, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He did not know what he was saying, but he was saying what God put in his spirit to say. Now, when we turn to the New Testament, we say that God's plan unfolds now through Christ and through the power of the Holy Ghost. How awesome is this to the body of Christ? The revelation of God's preparation for his people is revealed to us. He has revealed himself to us that he indwells us. He lives in us. The spirit of God, the powerful, wonderful spirit of God, the Holy Ghost. These messages are meant to stir us. Because there is a slumber in Christianity today. And in the old days, we had all the activities and the manifestations. If you're a Pentecostal, you understand that, you know. And then we went through the charismatic thing where it's just a quiet worship, which is fine and good. You know, but where are we today? Where is our worship now? It doesn't necessarily have to be outward, but it must be intense indwelling us. And I think maybe if it gets intense and it gets hot in us, it's bound to get out a little bit. 1 John 4.12 says, No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us. And his love is perfected in us. Did you ever notice that someone in your life perfects your love? You ever notice someone you love irritates you, maybe? Someone you love gets in your face the wrong way? Does the church know what I'm talking about? I don't mind if you say amen, you know. But love perfects us. If you love someone and they, they irritate you, it causes your love to grow. You have to grow beyond the irritation. God dwells in us and his love is perfected in us. 
Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he dwells in us. How how do we know that, church? Because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify. John writes that the father sent the son to be the savior of the world. Everyone in this house knows that. Whosoever shall confess Jesus is the son of God. He dwells in him. I hope that you hear this because I've got a very poignant question to ask you when I finish this. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath toward us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Christianity has been very short-changed concerning the indwelling of the Spirit of God. We've taught, been taught one facet of it, or two facets of it. We have not understood the totality of the indwelling power of God in us. And Paul put this question to the church in 1 Corinthians 3.16. And I think I've read it in every message that I've been preaching about the Holy Ghost. And this was the question that Paul put to the church. And he says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Now, I want to ask the church, when is the last time that you had a thought process to yourself, Wow, God dwells in me, and his temple is in me. Now, we know it. If I say, who is the temple? Everybody says, we are. There has to be a revelation of God dwelling in us, church, that will make a difference in our life, that will take us through the trial, the tribulation, the harassment of the enemy. Now, as I was preparing this sermon, God asked me a question. I don't like when that happens. But I know, as I know that I'm sitting here ministering to you today, that God spoke to my heart. And this is the question that he asked me. What is my character like in you? Well, Lord, I'm, I'm your pastor. That makes me special, I guess. I don't know. Isn't that how we think? You know, I. And then it says, what is my conversation like in you? Well, Lord, that's not, let's not go there. What is my conversation like in you? Because he, he lives in me. He wants to know, how is he being portrayed in me? And then he says, what is my spiritual life in you on a daily basis? Now, if he asked me how it was like on Saturday and Sunday, I've been, it had been a shoe-in. Because Saturday I pray, I study, I be very good, and I get ready for Sunday. And Sunday I get up early and I pray and I seek the Lord. You know, but he asked me, how is it on a daily basis? And then he says, and how do I conduct myself in you? And I just sat 
in quietness before the Lord as I thought about what he was asking of me. And I realized that he was asking that not just of me, but of the body of Christ. Because we say, I'm a Christian. That means I belong to him. That means God dwelleth in us. But how does he, how is he portrayed in us? How, how do people see him in us? And I realized that we fall short of conveying who he is in us. And I believe that the whole essence of these messages was that God, first of all, wanted to talk to me. And second of all, if I could hear him, I could share it with you. But God is asking the church these questions today. If you say, I live in you, then what is my character like? What is my conversation like? What is my spiritual life in you like? And how do I conduct myself in you? Oh, the workings of the Holy Spirit in the human temple. They're awesome. Time doesn't permit to go into it in totality, but I can tell you by bits and pieces from the Word of God that He will mortify the deeds of our body if we ask Him. That He bears witness with us that we are the children of God. This is what the Spirit does. It says He has given us the spirit of adoption that we can say, Abba, Father. He confirms to us that He abides in us. He confirms to us that we know He can dwell in us and we dwell in Him. These are the things that God is wanting to bring to the body of Christ today. It, it, it's so important. Sunday school teacher mentioned today that we should govern ourselves like Christ and not like the world. The church should govern itself like Christ and not like the world. Nowhere do I see that Christ came and said, make a big corporate structure. We have to do these things because that's the way our society is. But it isn't about the corporate structure. It's not about the bigness. It's about hearts that recognizes the power of the indwelling Spirit of God in them. Indwell, what can that mean? It just, Webster says it means to live as a resident, to live inside as a resident. Do we think about that? That that the Holy Spirit of God has allowed Christ to live within us, that he's a resident in us? If we recognize that church, we'd take care of the temple a little better. If we recognize that, we would portray the Christ that lives in us better. To dwell, indwell means a shelter in which to live. I don't know about you, church, but we need a shelter in the times of trouble. And he is our shelter in the time of trouble. Well, finally today, as... As he raised up Christ from the dead. Church believes in Jesus Christ being resurrected, right? 
And as that happened, it happened because of the Holy Ghost of God that lived in them. It says he'll quicken our mortal bodies. I want to ask the church, do you feel the quickening of the Holy Ghost? I want to say this to you that people from the outside come into our church all the time, into the counseling chamber. The mailman comes in. The water checker that sees if we don't have germs comes in. All kinds of people come in and out. And over and over and over, they say they sense something in this house. Now, if they sense it in this framework, how much more should they sense it in your life? Because you are the missionary wherever you go. So, God sent His Holy Spirit through His Son, Jesus, to, to dwell in us, to empower us, to equip us, to lead us, and guide us into all truth. Scripture says, let us hold fast to these things that we have heard. And what we've heard today is the eternal plan of God, that in the end of your life, He wants to live in you so that you find favor with Him so that you can be lifted into eternal life through the power of the Holy Ghost. Hold fast to His eternal plan, remembering His Holy Ghost dwells in you, and He will quicken you. I'm waiting for the day when all 120 get the quickening at the same time. When the wind of God flows throughout the body of Christ and we can we can sense his presence it's not so much an outward manifestation as it is a powerful experience in our heart and in our life that brings transformation we need transformation church and the holy ghost is the one that does that So let me say to you in closing today, we need the favor of God. You have the favor of God if you're born again. And from there, you can design the power of God in you. Oh, no. Somebody say, you can't do that. It's all about God. No, no. It's about you. It's about how much do you want of the favor of God? How much do you want of the Holy Ghost anointing? How much do you want of spiritual things in your life? Because whatever you pursue spiritually, God will empower you with it. Are you as hot as I am? It's just hot in here, isn't it? But the Holy Ghost, you know, as soon as we started singing, burn in me, I got hot. But that's our prayer today, is that he will burn in you. He'll wake you up in the night. He'll wake you up at six in the morning. He'll draw you to his word. And when you look in the mirror, and you will know that a transformation has taken place when you look in the mirror and you see the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Can I say it again? 
when you look in the mirror and you see the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and you say, I am highly favored of God. He lives in me. And it's all about the Holy Ghost that Jesus sent because his father told him to, that we might have this empowerment. Do you, do you wonder why there's things that you want to change and you can't get changed? you wonder why that when you try to change, it's too hard to change? Do you, do you wonder why you want God, but it doesn't seem like you can reach the depth that you want? All of that is the, is the works of the enemy to keep you from growing in God. Now, you know, to grow in God doesn't mean you have to sell your house and move to a commune. And in the old days, they taught us that, you know, you just give everything to God. And that's the Pentecostal way back then. It just means that you have to serve him with a whole heart. You still got to go to the job. You still got to be nice to your wife or husband. You know, you still have to do the things in this world, but you are no longer of this world because you have the favor of God in you. Jesus, we thank you so much for the power of your presence. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will stir any heart that is open to hear today the power of your presence. And Father, those who have been discouraged and despondent, that you would cause them to see that they have favor with you. We just give you praise for your word. We thank you for the Holy Ghost and all that it means to us.